how uncomfortable are you willing to get to solve the problems that you, or the things that you see as problems? And I think for the vast majority of people in our generation, the answer is zero. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to give up none of my comforts, you know? If we could, if, if they told us tomorrow we could solve the climate crisis if everybody just went this whole next summer with no air conditioning. If you just if you just had to go to just one summer with no AC, not not in your car, not in your house, nowhere. just we all just suffer for what? Nobody would fucking do it. People would do the same thing they did during the pandemic with the masks and shit. They would be on they would be on Twitter talking about telling everybody to do what was best, what they should do, and then they would be secretly in their car just blasting that shit. Yeah, last episode we we talked about Genghis Khan a little bit. <clears throat> uh, well, we ended talking about Genghis Khan, but I just wanted to say my favorite, my favorite um, historical general is Hannibal Barker. He was a bad motherfucker, you know, and he had he had Rome so shook. You know, I, and maybe I've said this before, but like he was so he was such a bad motherfucker that like they, the, the Rome Rome eventually beat him. He was betrayed by his own people because they were they were they were bitch made, and they still couldn't erase him from history. You know, like they 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 burned down and destroyed the his the his whole city of Carthage. They tried their best, but he but he he had fucked them up so thoroughly. He had fucked them up so thoroughly that they still they still couldn't like all the way to the end of Rome. They had a saying that Hannibal's at the gates, like when something was going bad. Mm-hmm. That's how much he beat their ass. He beat the fuck out of Rome. Like, and you you can go go look into it. Go look at the history of Hannibal Barker. It was like his his he made a, a he made a he swore he made, he swore to his dying father that he that he would dedicate his whole life to beating the shit out of Rome. And he sure did do that. <laughs> he he really did. He beat their ass so bad that there was there was a point where um there was a point where he he killed in one battle he killed like like twenty five percent of the adult men in Rome of the Roman adult men in one day. Yeah, because he was just he was outsmarting them with all because Rome didn't believe in like scouting and shit like that. Like, like they was all like, hey, straight up, let's meet on a flat surface and and <laughs> and our people push up against your people. Like that's how that's real war. And and you know, and Hannibal, you know, he have niggas waiting in the bushes, motherfuckers, you know, you know, they done encircled you, the pincer maneuver, like he started all that shit, you know. Yeah, you'd be like, Yeah, I'll, I'll come to your battle. I'm gonna bring elephants. Uh yeah, yeah. Well actually what's what's funny is that battle, if you just just just, just to get if you look if you don't want to look at the whole history, just go just go Google the Battle of Kanai or the Battle of Kanai, C A N A E. That was the definitive. That was the that was one of many, but that was the big one. That was after he fucked them up one time, and then Rome decided they was going to put together the biggest army they'd ever put together and go get this motherfucker, and then he beat the shit out of them too. You know what I'm saying? And he and he's waiting at the Roman gates. And instead of going in, he decided to wait for reinforcements that never came because Rome bribed the politicians 
in Carthage, and they kind of left him out to dry. So, you know, this is I, after I know I know why you like why you like Hannibal so much. Why? Because the Second Punic War is one of the greatest acts of revenge of all time. Exactly, exactly. He said, "Daddy, I'm gonna get these hoes," and he got them hoes. <laughs> he really did. And here's the thing: he even lost. You know, at the end of the day, you know his his people betrayed him, and he ended up losing that final battle at like at Rome, like at the, you know, right at the city. He was if he had, if he had gone in right then, he would have wiped Rome out. And he ended up losing that battle, but they still didn't get him. So he ended up, he was like, okay, fuck Carthage. And he ended up like going to being like a strategic advisor for other Roman enemies and was whipping their ass uh, through third parties and shit indirectly. And then and finally somebody turned him in and he ended up like taking some poison that he carried around in his ring. So they still never got him. He whooped their ass his whole life and then killed himself like a G rather than be captured. So yeah, go look it up. Battle of Kanai and tell me this motherfucker ain't bad. He outsmarted them. Bigger army, all this other stuff that didn't matter. Anyway, Rob, you said you wanted to cover what today? Uh, there was an article that I dropped in the Trello from Nature Magazine, uh, how the Great Depression shaped people's DNA. Oh, the Great Depression. Oh, like literally shaped their DNA? Yeah. Epigenetic testing. Um, okay, so okay. For, well, first of all, uh, let's 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 cover what epigenetics is, and and stop me if I'm. This is just me going from memory, so stop me if I get anything wrong. But epigenetics suggests that trauma is imprinted on your DNA and passed on to your offspring. Or, yeah. or, or rather, a responses to trauma are imprinted on your DNA and can be passed on to your offspring. So, if you are traumatized before you have a baby or before you get pregnant, it well, can. Let's, well, let, let, let's let's explain what the epigenome is first. Okay. So, you have the you have you have the genome, which is your DNA, right? Right. That's the ACTG stuff that you see when you see like your actual genome, right? Okay. But then you have the epigenome which is chemical markers that attach to your DNA. So it's sort of like the metadata surrounding your DNA. Uh, and yeah. that can and that can change due to stress or other environmental factors, exposures to different chemicals, things like that. That can alter your epigenetics, which then gets passed on to your children. Uh, and that would explain a lot. You know, like um, okay, so let's talk about it. Um, epigenetics study finds that children born during the historic recession have markers of accelerated aging later in life. Man, that would explain why older people look so old. Yes. Right? Like, I know 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds. Like, I'm 40. But when my granddad was 40, he looked 90. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, like, when you look at pictures of older people and they're 40 or 35, they look old as fuck. And now you see somebody that's 35 and you can't, like 35-year-old motherfuckers look like Rob. Right? <laughs> How old are you? 37. See, he don't look, thir- like he don't look like a 37-year-old from the 50s. 
Right. So it says the worst recession in U.S. history shaped how well people would age. Before they were even born, researchers have found that the cells of people who were conceived during the Great Depression, um, which lasted from 1929 to 1939, and at its height saw about 25% of the U.S. workforce unemployed, show signs of accelerated aging. The study authors measured these changes in the cell's epigenome, the collection of chemical markers attached to DNA that determines when, where, and by how much genes are expressed in each cell. And they think the pattern of markers that they uncovered could be linked to higher rates of both chronic illness and death. The work, published on 8 November in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, adds to a cachet of studies indicating that exposure to hardships such as stress and starvation during the earliest stages of development can shape human health for decades. The findings highlight how social programs designed to help pregnant people could be a tool for fighting health disparities in children. Although the study is far from the first to link big historical events to changes in the epigenome, the fact that the signal appears in data collected from people in their 70s and 80s is mind-blowing, says Patrick Allard, an environmental epigeneticist at the University of California, Los Angeles. It's definitely something that will make its way into the textbooks, he says. In epigenetic alterations. In the earliest stages of development, an embryo is a packet of potential containing genetic instructions to build the molecular components of the body. Over time, however, cells add and remove chemical modifiers known as epigenetic tags to their DNA, and these shape how those cells and their descendants execute the instructions. The tags are influenced by a variety of factors, including hormones, diet, and people's environment. The alterations made during this key window can last a lifetime. In 2008, researchers found that people conceived during a famine in the Netherlands at the end of the Second World War had different epigenetic markers compared with siblings born outside this time frame. Those born during the famine had higher rates of metabolic illness later in life, leading leading scientists to suspect that their exposure to malnutrition during early development permanently shaped how the bodies processed food. Since then, a slew of animal studies have linked early exposure to pollutants, stress, and poor diet to a wide variety of epigenetic alterations that can shape everything from hair color to brain development. It goes on and on and on and on. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised at that. I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, ch- malnourished children de- uh, have developmental problems. That doesn't seem like um, that big of a of a leap, right? Yeah, I think it, uh, it's also um, it's not just that you know you have a you have a famine and so there's fewer calories going into the kids so the kids end up three inches shorter right like that's that's one of the things that happened in North Korea right because okay. mm-hmm. there was a famine in North Korea and they're not very genetically distinct from South Koreans uh, but because of that brief famine there is like a very is a huge height disparity between adult North Koreans and adult South Koreans from that generation, right? Um, but I think it's the thing that's interesting is that except for except for Kim Jong Un, somehow he is seven feet five, <laughs> yeah. and an Olympic level athlete according to the official uh, documents. He got a, he gets a hole in one on every hole yeah. of golf that he plays. Yeah, he's incredible, this guy. <laughs> uh, but I, what's interesting about it is the notion that it could affect the genes the gene expression for your children right right right. that 
that, that um, you be, you being born during like you getting pregnant during hard times is what starts the mm-hmm. the problems, right? Right, right. Because uh, with the with the sibling study in the Netherlands, those kids were raised in the same family; they were fed the same food. It's just that their bodies processed the food differently. Yeah. So I, even though they were from the same parents, my takeaway from this is uh, you should stop fucking people with problems. <laughs> yeah stop fucking people with problems at least the people that tell you all their problems right when you meet them it's a red right. flag it's a red flag you know i think i think it, it also it, it also just goes back to you know um how a lot of these tests that people have when they try to show that there's like genetic factors for intelligence which obviously there are genetic factors for intelligence but um but people try to show that smart people are all smart because they have better genes. And it's like, no, a lot of it is just people tend to have lower intelligence when they are born into or raised in stressful situations. Damn, dude, I wonder how smart I would be if I was raised in a normal situation. Because <laughs> I've been stressed out since the womb. I've been stressed yeah, man. Out. Yeah, I just, you know, I mean, if that's true. Cause so, so I see what you're saying, it's like, it's like, Sure, your your potential is genetic, but you know your genetic or your potential to be intelligent is genetic. But how how those genes manifest is environmental, mm-hmm. which I've always suspected because I'm a genius. Mm-hmm. I've known <laughs> this already. I don't need to even do studies or be peer reviewed or nothing. I'm just right. Um, no, but but these people. Um, like, what do you think, what do you think, I don't know if there's anything that can really be done about that. No, I think that there, I think there, there is. I think that, um, I think that we could have social programs that relieve the stress of child rearing. Cause like, you know, child rearing is very labor intensive, very expensive. Um, it exacerbates, you know, it's hard enough to fucking survive when you're just like one person living in an apartment or two people living in an apartment when you add a a baby to it it increases all of those emotional yeah. stressors all the add, money stressors you add a right? creature that you're not allowed to abandon right right exactly well you can't um, you know there's shame involved yeah so i think i think that that having social programs that give people support to feed their kids have time like have the time to raise their kids um, keep their kids healthy, all those things. I think I think those are programs that yeah. not only would be beneficial, but where they're tested, they prove to be quite beneficial. But we'll never do so, them see, th- in this the U.S. Ma- this makes me even more cynical because it's a it feels like a repeating cycle. It's like um, it's like the poorest people are the most stressed, which which makes it harder to be smart, which makes it harder to vote against. The things that are making you stressed, and so it's this cycle that's just going to keep repeating until we're so stupid and and so far gone. You know, it's idiocracy. You know, although I think things do get better over time, because I mean, and and it and it comes down to things that people don't expect, right? Like, uh, you know, probably one of the best things that we've ever done in this country is bidets. Uh, what's that? Bidets. Yeah, bidets would be great, uh, Ooh, but no. Uh, let it. We got rid of leaded gasoline. 
Do do they have bidets in the White House? Because I think yes, I, they do, for sure. Does the pre- you think the so you think the president is the vice president are all you know, they walking around squeaky clean buttholes, squeaky clean. Yeah, and they don't have it's not like a tushy. They don't have like some add on thing to the old toilet. They got. They got like a Japanese, but you, but you don't think it's heated like a, bidet, like an American pride thing, where it's like, it's like no, oh, there's plenty, of, there's my, plenty of shit from other countries in the White House. My grandfather used the regular toilet, and his grandfather <laughs> used the regular toilet, and he was a coal miner. You know how they all say that? My granddaughter yeah, yeah, yeah. was a coal miner that used a regular toilet. Yeah. So maybe, uh, or maybe, 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 maybe we got a, maybe got one from the from the French president in like 1965. Maybe, oh, but well, well, you, well, did I? I I don't know if I told you this before, but um, the 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 bidet was invented in France, right? Uh-huh. But the uh, the uh, the electronic toilet seat was invented here. We invented because the bidet is just the part that blows water in your ass, mm-hmm. right? All the other stuff it, we invent, we attached all that to it, all of the automatic shit and all that, and. Because it was hard, the, the guy that invented it, ma- he made it for his parents. Um, so he was he was initially trying to sell it for old folks' care, but he okay. found it hard in those times to talk about um, your parents shitting. So uh, he it didn't have any traction. So he sold it to a company in Japan, which is now Toto, which is the biggest um, washlet company in the world that's what they call it a washlet it's the biggest okay. washlet company in the world and we it, and it's actually an american thing and now americans refuse to use it even though it's better like the metric system or um you know solar power and shit like that i'm a, I'm a strong i'm a strong defender of the uh, imperial system so though. so banning unleaded gas you're right that 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 helped that helped um, but we still got coal and, you know, we still got fossil fuels and stuff like that. I, I, it's it's not going to get better yeah. fast enough because things don't change here. Because I guarantee you, if you look back on it, if you look into it, I bet you the only reason we banned unleaded gas is because we found out that uh, – the only reason we banned, we banned leaded gas is because we found out that unleaded gas was cheaper or more profitable. Mm-hmm. Let's see, why do we ban? It wasn't until 1969 that the first clinical study showed that it had toxic impacts on humans. From there, the evidence of the extent of lead poisoning and its potential link with poor cognitive performance in children continued to grow. In response, many countries began to phase... You know, the thing is, <clears throat> we can we can get our act together when it's like one thing, yeah. right? We, we just like, got, like, we got like There was a hole in the ozone layer and we got rid of CFCs because that was one thing. We got lucky. We just lucky that nobody was like... Unleaded gas causes autism or some shit like that, because because it's the we're con- we're at constant war with with half smart people. We we, we because I don't I don't want to call them stupid because the stu- the stupidest people are not the problem. It's the people that mm. are just smart enough. They're just smart enough to 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 read the words and jump to conclusions. But they're not smart enough to challenge their own conclusions and change their minds. Because that requires right, smart enough to rationalize what they already believe. Ex- ex- exactly, exactly. It's like these people that are—I um, don't know if you follow pop culture news or whatever—but 
Right now, there's a big trial with Meg Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez and... You know these people? Rob doesn't know who the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, I, I know who Meg the Stallion is. Okay, well, she, in, during the pandemic, she, you know, it was a thing. They had a thing at a party, and she was shot, and um, or she stepped on glass. Whatever happened, she got it hurt. She says he shot him, her, and now that now the trial's happening, right? And um, and and everywhere I go, people want to talk about it. I I I purposely avoided talking about it on this podcast, and it just came up because I don't. My, my my mouth just runs, but it but but everyone watching the thing is pretending as though they're decide. It, you know, it's like it was like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. It's like people that are watching yeah. the trial are pretending as though they're watching the trial so they can get all the facts and make an informed decision. But in reality, they decided when they first heard whose side right. they was on, and they're watching the trial just hoping that that whatever comes out in the trial justifies what they already think. And if it doesn't, then they're going to call the trial bullshit or sham. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you're not, that's, you're not paying attention because you want to know you're paying, you know, you just want to justify what you already think. I, I think that's yeah. how, mo- I think that's how most people live most of their lives. It takes, it takes a very disciplined and intelligent mind to tr- truly be objective or try their best to be objective. Most people don't put a single iota of effort into being objective. You know, ask yourself that. When's the last time you changed your mind about something you really believed? When's the last time you changed your mind? When's the last time I changed my mind about a, about a, oh, Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. I changed my mind this morning. Talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, man, yeah. Because I will, you know, I will back up and think about it and give us some thought and, you know, yeah, you know what? Yeah, fuck them. You know, it's, that's easy for me. Uh, it's not, it's easier for me. It's it's not easy at all, you know. But that, but but again, that wasn't like a firmly held belief. Sure, yeah. Um, um, well, going, going from, going from, from firmly Christian to non-believer, that was a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, when, but when did you do that? Man, that was like probably like right around the time I started doing comedy, like 2012, 2011. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, so you were an adult. Yeah, I was an adult. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably the uh, the um, the Michael Jackson thing. You mean like? Like after he died, or do you mean during the yeah, court like cases? I, like I, uh, after he died, yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, you know what? I don't think he was really touching them kids. Oh, you say you think he wasn't touching the kids? No, I think he wasn't. Yeah, I th- okay. I, I uh, oh man, I, I and boy, have I been in a lot of arguments about this? Because <clears throat> that's, that's another thing too. A lot of people don't. Um, it's like I feel like we we live in this society now where people identify so strongly with their opinions that they mm-hmm. that you can't attack you can't attack their ideas without them feeling personally attacked. Because that's why I came. It's like because that's that's what it was when I learned as I was starting comedy in around 2011. I was like I was in this I, I was in this philosophy class and. And that's when I learned how to assess an idea uh, objectively 
and and independent of myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The, this, this guy went through this 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 class. The the first half of the class was just basic logic and reason, and but it was really a philosophies of religion class, and he went through all the religions. You know what I mean? And he saved Christianity for last. He he did the Eastern religions first, you know, Buddhism, Taoism, all of that. And then he when he got to the Western religions, man, he hit he hit Christianity. By the time he hit Christianity, half of the class stopped coming. Mm. You know, and it was like, yeah, but it's like, but you've already you've broken down all these other religions. Now we have the one you believe. Now what you gonna do? You know, right? And it's like you can stay intellectually consistent, or you can choose to not be. That's up to you. But it's like if you apply the same logic and reasoning to everything equally, you're going to come to a conclusion that maybe you're not comfortable with, right? And so that's when I learned how. That, didn't, that doesn't make it any easier to do. Right. You know, it's like, a, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a, you know, it's like when a mother finds out her son's a criminal or something. You know, it's like a lot of times, you, you know, there's a lot of mothers out there, man, you could have their kid on tape doing some shit. DNA, fingerprints, all that. And they still ain't they still don't buy it. You know? It's hard. You it's, think Jeffrey Dahmer's mama's like, not my baby ain't kill nobody. He ain't eat nobody. You know? You wouldn't be shocked. Sometimes, it, sometimes it is funny when you see like their parents and the parents are like, oh yeah, he did that shit. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes the parents are the first ones are like, oh, you're, you're, you hear about Jeffrey, right? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I was, I've been waiting for this phone call. Yeah, no bullshit. Like, you know, it's like I found his cookbook when he was 11. Yeah. You know. um, uh, that's when's the last time you, you changed your mind, Rob, about something I mean, you, firm, you strongly believed? I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to think. I th- I I think it's something we kind of talked about the last episode. Um, the value of you know I'm I'm anti-capitalist, but I understand the true value that capitalism can provide to a society, which is we have a way of leveraging antisocial behavior. Right. And I think that, um, break that that down, break that down. What do you mean by leveraging antisocial behavior? I'll, I'll use an example. Like, um, uh, Look at like the military and look at look at somebody who has the capability of being a top level sniper. Well, there's I mean, I, that's a that's 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 a I'm repeating myself there because there's only top level snipers in the American military. But but there are people who have the physical dexterity and physical ability to pull the trigger and hit that shot, right? right? But not everybody has the psychology necessary to do that, to right. see somebody in high def get their head turned into pink mist because you pulled the trigger, right? Right. A lot of people can't handle that. Most people can't handle that. Um, so all of those snipers are... In some, I mean, they're 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 close to being having antisocial personality disorder. You know, there's something a little bit tweaked about them that they can do that job. So, is it better? Like, I'm against the military, but is it better to have those people doing that, right? And us aiming their APD, their antisocial personality disorder, to at at 
at our enemies, quote unquote, rather than have them walking around in civilian life. Maybe. Mm. Right? Right. Um, and so same thing for, you know, uh, you know, if you have a real life Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, is it better if he's walking around killing hookers and hiding bodies in empty apartments and stuff like that, or just doing mergers and acquisitions? Because you also have to have something a little tweaked about you to do that. You have to have something tweaked about you to be a CEO. You know, all the shit that you have to do to be a top tier like CEO and make that much money to be a Jeff Bezos or an Elon Musk or even a Warren Buffett or whatever, you have to be cold blooded. And that's how we got it talking about Genghis Khan in the last episode, where it's like back in the day, those would be conquerors. Well, those would be history's villains you don't think there's people that exist that can turn it on and off probably i think that there's that that there's got to be some people who can flit in between them yeah i can do that i feel like i as as sensitive and squeamish as i am most of the time is like if with the give with the right information, I can I can look at I can in my mind look at another person as less than human. I mean, I've talked about that with my brother. My brother's a a doctor, and you know, I, I couldn't do what he does because he does have to kind of turn it off. Yeah. When you're doing surgery on somebody, you do have to you have to be empathetic to some degree to even want to get into medicine, right? Right. To get into healthcare, but a lot of people who get into healthcare, they have too much empathy. Right. right. You know, you you have you sometimes have to turn off your humanity to do what has to be done in a surgery suite. You know, yeah, it reminds me. You got to cut into somebody. It reminds me of that movie. Um, um, you ever seen Equilibrium? It's one of my favorite movies. Love Equilibrium. Um, but it but you know at the the part at the end. When um, when they first when they introduce him to the underground, and he meets the leader of the underground, and he and he basically tells him like, you know, some of us, um, some of us don't have the luxury to feel. It's like so he's the leader of the underground, but he's still taking his he's still taking his dose, right? Because he's like some of us have to some of us have to get turn off the feeling for the greater cause. Like some of so I th- yeah. I, I guess that's what I'm kind of trying to kind of go is like some people have to because that because that takes a toll on you like you saying your your brother's mm-hmm. a surgeon it's like turning it on and off fucks you up yeah you know over time but that sacrifice has to be made because we need people that can do it yeah it's a it's it's another reason why there's a lot of drug abuse and alcohol abuse with like top top level surgeons with with lawyers with politicians and stuff i mean not yeah. not just because everybody that, um, everybody that everyone that's close to the darkness yeah has to cope and that's that's when i say the darkness i mean death and suffering because the you know the average american is insulated from any of the death and suffering that we benefit from right you, right. No one never. No one's ever going to send you a picture of the kid that made your iPhone, right? You know what I'm well, saying? Well, you know, you know what it's like. You know what you know what it's like. It, it uh, the movie A Few Good Men. You know the big 
Uh, you've seen yeah. you've seen the movie, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. At the at the end, when Tom Cruise is is doing the cross examination of uh, Jack Nicholson's character, and it's the "you can't handle the truth" yeah. line, you know, it, it, and he's saying like the fact that I do all this evil shit and you're going to look down on me, the the fact that I the the only reason you get to keep your hands clean is because I'm doing all the shit that you can't. Yeah, it's it's, it's just like the Scarface scene where he's like. Where he's in the restaurant yelling at the rich people, like, you need bad guys like me so you can point your fucking fingers. Right. Y'all are doing all the cocaine. <laughs> right. That I'm yeah, yeah in, exactly. Right? Exactly. So it's, exactly. yeah, it's a, it, it is, it is, I mean, I think, but that's, now we're, now we're just getting into like the human condition because it's like, that is what it is. We, you know, society, we need the, I think like I think a lot of people have this need to look at everything like black and white. It's like you know, there's good guys and bad guys, and it's, and and the truth is, the world just ain't that simple, you know. Right. And, and I think that well, you were asking me like what I had changed my mind about recently, and I and I think I did. I think I was looking at the world a little more black and white up until very recently. Um, a lot more gray has sort of entered into my viewpoint on as, as regards things like money and business and stuff like that um yeah yeah i like i want more money <laughs> i still yeah. i still i still resent the fact that i need it yes you know but that is the world that is the world that we live in and you know and if i could snap my fingers and change it i would maybe but <clears throat> yeah it's tough it's tough to be because I, I don't know if i can honestly call myself anti-capitalist I think that would be disingenuous. It sounds cool. Mm-hmm. It sounds cool to my comrades, <laughs> but that that's, but that would be disingenuous. Um, I also, but I, but I am, I, I am suspicious of capitalism. I'm suspicious of capitalists. I, I don't believe that our current form of it is the best possible thing. But I also don't see a way to, I don't see a way to transition to something better. Because we, because I feel like we're sort we're sort of trapped in a way because because the result of capitalism is that capitalists have the most power and influence, and then they get to shape the rules in their favor. You know, it's an extremely resilient system because yeah. it 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 amasses power for the people who have a vested interest in maintaining it. Right. Right. And then, but then and, and then don't forget the middle, the mid level capitalists are really, they're really the key to it all is, you know, they, um, I was talking to a friend the other day and they were telling me like, um, that if you, if you look at the, the list of comedians that made the most money last year and it's like, you know, it, you know, it's like the top guy was like $44 million. Same thing with athletes. You look at the, the richest athletes, and it's like LeBron James and Tiger Woods and all those people, and they tell you they made hundreds of millions of dollars and they, you know, this and this and that. But it's like, and a, and a, and a lot of those people started out with nothing. They didn't start mm-hmm. out with money. And the, the, their stories are what allow the poor, because there's way more of us poor people yeah, or poorer people but the, their stories allow you to support 
or vote against your interests because of the possibility that you could also come up in the system. So, so, you know, but what they, what they never mentioned is that every one of those people you name, someone else made way more money off them. Right. You know, however many hundreds of millions LeBron James has made in his career, somebody else made a billion off him. You know what I'm saying? Athletes are not the richest people in sports. Singers and musicians are not the richest people in music. Comedians are not the richest people in comedy. But but we're we're here as an example so that people that are poorer than us look up at us and go, "Oh, the system can work. It does work." When in reality, it doesn't. Like, I'm never going to be a billionaire, no matter how hard I work. The system just ain't right. set up that way. Because the only way I could be a billionaire is if I'm making somebody else a trillion. Right. You know what I mean? And you know, so it's one of those things where it's like, it it it's such a resilient system because the people that it is exploiting also prop it up. You know. Yeah. And it's like at some point, I think you just get fight. You know, fighting the good fight is a young man's game. You know. <laughs> You, you you get to a point where like you get so old you've been fighting for so long you're just like man fuck it I'm tired of fighting let the youngest do it and it seems like well, this new generation they just like to cry they don't really like to fight they like yo if this tweet don't cancel this motherfucker that's all I got <laughs> you know what I'm saying I ain't about to run up in the bank and chain myself to the ATM and I'm like that you know so well I, I don't know I, I think I disagree with that I think that I think that there are um there are some young people who are doing direct action and organi- organizing. Oh yeah, they, it's just no, the this, the they deck ex- is stacked they, against they you. Exist. I just mean as a whole. Oh yeah. I don't. I don't. Because here's the thing. This this generation is the most comfortable, and your comforts. Because it's easy to talk. You know what I mean. If you ain't willing to give nothing up, then your talking don't mean shit. You know what I mean? But it, that's it, that's that's one of the ways that the that systems manufacture consent, yeah. right? You don't want to lose it's, your comforts. It, yeah, you don't want to lose your comforts. You we're don't want to mo- lose your the, your place in the pecking order. Yeah, we're the most comfortable generation that's ever lived in America, at least. And which means, I think, subconsciously, we we have the most to lose from rocking the boat. So it's like even the people that sit around and go, this is all fucked up and something needs to be done. You know, it's like, well, you go, hey, well, look, then, you know, give up your PlayStation. Oh, uh, well, I mean, well, why do I have to do that? You know, it's like no <laughs> no one's willing to actually lose anything. No one, they don't, no one wants their life to change. They think other people's lives are just going to be better if they complain. You know, they, they want the fight to take place somewhere else, not, but not anywhere around them, you know. The the counter to that though is if I give up my PlayStation, what does that? Let, let me let me give, let me give an example more rooted in reality. When sure. I when I first moved to Austin, right around here somewhere where we, where we record downtown, is this downtown? Yeah, right on Sixth. Okay, yeah. So, you know, there, when I first got here, when I first started visiting here last year, there were homeless people all over the fucking place, right? Because the sh- the shelter is right on the corner, and it was just a lot. It was a lot going on. It was like, it wasn't it wasn't skid row levels, like L.A. skid row type levels, because mm-hmm. that's, that's just fucking, 
lawless land over there. But, you know, but a, a lot of people that I would talk to, their problem wasn't, you know, let, let me just say this. Some, someone I know said to me, you know, they, they were complaining about the homeless people. And and to me, it sounded like they were complaining that they just have to, because that's how most, most people that are complaining about homeless people aren't complaining about the homeless crisis, like the housing crisis. They're complaining that, like, they have to see them. That, like, right. they're around here. You know what I mean? Not that they exist. Not that they don't have anywhere to live. But that, like, they just, I have to encounter them in my everyday dealings. You know? And and what they, what they would really like is for not to have to see them. And you know what? You don't. They, don't. they don't care if they're in a house. They just don't want them on the street. Exactly. And now, listen, so right now, so by the time I moved here, the, you know, you still, there's still, there's still a few homeless people here, but, but it, it's, it's like 50 times less, you know, and right. I don't hear that friend complaining anymore. Now, they didn't all of a sudden solve the housing crisis in Austin. <laughs> right. Yeah. We just don't see them around anymore. And you know something he said to me that was very powerful? Because I was like, they just people trying to survive. You know what he said? He was like, well, l- let them camp out in front of your fucking house. I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not, I don't want that. You know? It's like, you don't want that. You want them to have somewhere to go, but you don't want them to go near you. Because I didn't live downtown. I lived I live out by the campus. So it, was a pro- it, wasn't a, it wasn't the same problem for me as it was for him. Right? And as much as my compassionate side is like, well, we should give, these, we should give them housing. Like, let's give them free housing. Because that's what I think. I still think that's the solution. But in the meantime, between time, when I I accused him, I was like, you just want them to go away. He was like, yeah. I don't want them outside my house when I walk outside. And I'm like, they should be able to be wherever. He's like, well, then let them be in front of your house. I'm like, well, I don't want that either. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because that's the truth. I don't want to walk outside and there's just random fucking homeless people outside my house. So then then, do, do I really give a fuck? It's it's the same thing I accuse people of all the time. I'm like, someone should do something, but not me. You know, I mean, I'm do I donate money. You know, I might pass out some shit at the at the soup kitchen, but I'm not gonna give up nothing I got. Like, I don't want. You know, you can't stay with me. You can't sleep. You can't sleep on my front yard. Right. And so so it's. I guess the point I'm trying to make is. <clears throat> How uncomfortable are you willing to get to solve the problems that you or the things that you see as problems? And I think for the vast majority of people in our generation, the answer is zero. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to give up none of my comforts. You know, if we could if, if they told us tomorrow we could solve the climate crisis, if everybody just went this whole next summer with no air conditioning. If you just if you just had to go to just one summer with no AC, not not in your car, not in your house, nowhere, just we all just suffer for one summer. Nobody would fucking do it. People would do the same thing they did during the pandemic with the masks and shit. They would be on they would be on Twitter talking about telling everybody to do what was best, what they should do, and then they would be secretly in their car just blasting that shit. <sighs> <sighs> right. That's because that's what people yeah. were doing on the pandemic. They were like, I can't believe how people are fucking, how hard is it to fucking wear a mask? And then you see them at these secret Hollywood parties, you know, or Molly with no mask on, just breathing heavy as a motherfucker. I mean, there's definitely a lot of hypocrisy out there. 
I think it's it's tricky though because it's it's a collective action problem. Like you always have those issues with collective action problems. Yeah, and right? that's how that's how kryptonite. Yeah. If the solution, but that's but that's, but that's why that's by definition virtually every social problem yeah, if is, the, a, is if a collective action The solution action is problem. that we have to work together. It ain't happening. If the solution is that you have to just you have to sacrifice for people that you don't know that have less than you, that that's that solution ain't gonna happen. You better off with a violent solution. You know what I'm saying? Like if you could make people recycle at gunpoint, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're like you're like yo. If I come out here, if if I find a can, like like we need like an inquisition. You know, if I find mm-hmm. a, if I find a can in the green bin. I'm going to execute somebody in your house. That would be recycling Gestapo. That would be more effective. I mean, actually, that's not a good example because I I I believe that the the recycling shit is is nonsense. Especially here in Texas. I don't think they recycle that shit at all. Some of it is and some of it isn't. Like for cans and for glass, um like aluminum and glass and some paper you can recycle that pretty efficiently and that the the reason why uh people that go around with the bags and like take st- take trash out of trash cans and like collect it that's the reason why they collect cans is because aluminum is expensive to manufacture so recycling is actually economical well, you know what sucks Whereas, out here? what's that they only take the recycling every other week it hmm. sucks yeah because there's three adults in my house and so oftentimes our recycling bin will just be fucking chock full just sitting out there for a week because they only yeah, come every other week. And you can't, like, call them and make them come. Or can you? Uh, I think that's just here in Austin. Oh, okay. Yeah, for whatever reason, in Austin, the most liberal city in Texas, they recycle every other week. And I, and I honestly think they just take that shit. I think that it all goes to the trash dump. And, a lot and, of it does. And, and, and a lot of these companies, here's the thing too, the big companies support this recycling shit because it puts the onus on you and not them. Bingo. Because it, if everyone in America recycled perfectly, it wouldn't put a fucking dent in what the corporate, all the corporate waste and shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like right. they love this recycling campaign because it, it makes you feel bad about something that they're doing. That you can't fix it. None of you know. So and man, I'm, man, man, I'm, I'm back in cynical mode again. I'm being cynical, but I just. It's like, I mean, it's like it's like how people talk about like their carbon footprint, you know. And it's like that shit is a scam made by the oil companies to make it like you're the one with the footprint when it's right. like they are right. orders of magnitude. You know, you turn. Yes, it is a good thing. Not like it's just generally good to be frugal and not waste things unnecessarily obviously that's a good thing that's a good virtue to foster in yourself so yeah you should turn off the water when you're not using it and everything but i can leave my water running 24 hours a day and it's not going to come even close to how much water is wasted fucking farming almonds or whatever the fuck yeah my my carbon footprint um i I say i because here's the thing the best way to reduce your carbon footprint is to jump off a fucking bridge. Yeah. You know what I mean? And jump off a bridge in a, you know, somewhere where they're not going to find you. So that way, no, you know, no resources are wasted, like moving your body, 
or funerals and all that. Just jump off a bridge somewhere in the middle of nowhere and get declared missing and all that other stuff. But no one's going to do that, you know? Right. You know, you having a baby, that's a huge on your carbon footprint. Yep. That's basically, that's, that, having a child is like you just basically buying a, uh, buying two semi trucks, you know, and driving those around like for commuting. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Um, I don't know. I just don't know that. I don't know if all these individual efforts are going to make a difference. Maybe I'm maybe I'm up there with these extinction people. Well, remember those people we talked about a couple episodes ago that like they yeah. they refuse to have kids because they want they want the human race to go extinct. No, that ain't gonna work. Here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with here's one of the, one of the problems with that that we didn't talk about, which is we are so the the problems that we are causing. Mm-hmm. as the dominant species on this planet. Well, dominant species in one way, at least. Maybe not in some other ways. But um, those are a function of how we have evolved to live on this planet, right? If you snap your fingers and erased, you know, you did a Thanos snap, but you just erased 100% of the human beings from this planet, nature would reproduce a human-like species that would have all the same problems that we've introduced into the ecosystem Mm. you know so 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 for me the to or from my perspective the answer is not to make humans go extinct it's for us to figure out a way to live on this planet in a way that we don't that we don't make ourselves extinct that we don't destroy everything that well, also that we have to share the planet with. That's impossible. Look, <laughs> look our, our best chance of survival is that we find a way to mine essential resources from asteroids or something. We're not gonna stop. We're not gonna stop sucking the resources from this planet dry until you know. We just our only hope is that we find somewhere else to get them from. Yeah, the only, I mean, the only, the only thing that'll stop us from pumping out every last drop of oil underneath the surface of this planet is if something else is cheaper. Yeah. That's literally it. Yeah, yeah, we're doomed. We're doomed. And and there's nothing on the horizon that's going to be cheaper yeah. than fossil Maybe, fuels. Our best bet is that Elon Musk buys Earth. See, nobody thought about that. <laughs> What if Elon not Musk rich enough now. bought Earth and ran it the way he runs Tesla? With his genius. He's not he's not he's not rich enough anymore now. He can borrow money from the Saudis. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Elon Musk takes out a loan to buy Earth and then delegates the resources. He gets a couple people from Tesla. Why well here here's your problem. So why would the Saudis want Elon to buy Earth and make oil more expensive than other alternative. Make something, make an alternative to oil. The Saudis make all their money off of oil. They want, they want the oil to get pumped out. See, Rob. Now my question is like, why do you have a problem with black men shining, having brilliant <laughs> ideas? He's just. A, you saw him. He just attacked a black man and his ideas yeah. on, live on the podcast. Right, while I'm being perfectly logical and reasonable, and you know, and I'm surprised that it's coming from you, Rob, of all people. 
you know i know this this race I, well based. i mean I, you know i've i've for so long i've been known as such an ally to the black community <laughs> that this heel turn is really coming as a surprise <laughs> all right let's hey let's do uh let's do one email or no let's do one more right. article before we get out of here all right <sighs> holy shit all right we have a good time don't we guys um, we do this is from the guardian the headline reads, sexual choking is now so common that many young people don't think it even requires consent. That's a problem. Wow. Um, in a sexual landscape shaped by pornography, far too many people, far too many incorrectly believe that choking is routine and risk-free. Uh, when I was 19, I was at a birthday event. We were playing a drinking game, and one of the questions was, what's the kinkiest thing you like to do during sex? My friend, who was 17, replied, it's not really that kinky, but I guess choking. Uh-oh. <laughs> see, see, that's crazy. See, it wasn't that long ago. See, when I was when I was a teenager in that, you know, coming of age, boy meets world type of age, people wouldn't even admit to masturbating or eating pussy. Both things were things that it, people had, there was shame involved. You know, now I don't know anyone that won't do that. That won't like, oh yeah, I'm the best at eating pussy. I beat my dick every single day. You know, so it's wild that choking has reached this level. You know, the conversation carried on as if nothing out of the ordinary had just been said. I remember feeling self-conscious about my sexuality, sexuality, wondering if I was a prude, if the consensus was that choking was not really that kinky. Choking during partner sex is a form of sexual asphyxiation. Although it's colloquially called choking, it's actually a form of strangulation. As it's performed by pressing or squeezing the neck, medically choking means an internal blockage of air passages. The pressure around the neck cuts off the flow of blood, resulting in blood congestion in the brain. The effect is lightheadedness due to the drop in oxygen levels and increase in carbon dioxide. For some, this intensifies erotic pleasure. This all sounds quite extreme when you spell it out like this, but in the moment, all that is needed is a hand around the neck during an intimate moment. Other than the deprivation of oxygen to the brain, many women have told me that the gesture is erotic in itself, as it instantly adds an overt power dynamic into a sexual act. In human sexuality, kinkiness is the use of non-conventional sexual practices, concepts, or fantasies. Choking in sex is a kink, yet it has somehow made its way under the mainstream umbrella of things that many young people assume are okay to do without consent, often the first time you're sexually involved with them. Experts have warned that there is no safe way to engage in this act. Humans take risks all the time. The concern does not lie with this kink, where ideally it would involve conversations and research that allow people to take a calculated risk, but instead with the fact that it has become mainstream to the point where it is too often assumed that consent is not necessary and that it seems a standard part of sexual activity in young people. Sexual choking has become increasingly prevalent in mixed-sex pornography. Okay, look. My issue with that is I don't think that I... This is this is people that are not fucking and not choking trying to tell young people how to feel about it. Because I don't hear some... There's not some big upswell of young people complaining about um, being choked out of the blue, you know, if it's if it's become ma- I mean, if it's become mainstream, what does that even mean? Mainstream? I because I, I, I don't think everyone likes being choked, right? No, I don't. 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think I think most men don't, right? And 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 I don't I don't know what most women want, but um, but I also know that <laughs> I also know that like it's a it's a feel thing, and some people's fucking antennas are just off. Whereas, like, because you can't you can't stop. You can't stop every 10 seconds in sex and be like, is it okay if I... I think, what I think you need to do is have those conversations ahead of time. Yeah. And then in the moment, go with the flow. But you, but, but this, you know, you, I mean... Well, one of the things know. that this article goes into is that um, there's a bunch of studies that suggest that when women give consent to be choked, a lot of them do it not because they derive pleasure from being choked, but because they believe that their male partner derives pleasure from choking. From choking them. Ah. Right. And so there, so it gets into this slippery area of, is that true consent if you're... It, I mean, obviously, it is true consent if you're if you're giving consent and you're 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 actively granting that. But um, we need like I, I, we probably just need new language for describing what that is, where you're acquiescing to something for your partner's benefit, and there's like this miscommunication where they think that you're deriving pleasure from it. Well, I right. think it's, it's not a miscommunication. It's a lack of communication. Yeah. It's like, because you know what it is, too, is as freaky as we have become, for whatever reason, like, America is a, we're, this is a very sexually repressed uh, culture. Yeah. And even as much as we like to fuck, we we don't talk about fucking. And we certainly don't like talking about fucking with people we try to fuck. That's what's so crazy about it. It's like, I feel like, because if you have all them conversations ahead of time, then you don't you don't got to stop the flow to be like, is this all right? Is that all right? Did you want this? Did you want that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess no, because see, you can, you do, you do need to check in. Yeah, you know. But my point is, it's like you can tell, like you should be able to tell, like she didn't like that, or that wasn't okay. You know, you understand what I'm saying? I don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yes what and no. Kids. I mean, it's 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 because listen. Cause I think because because a lot of times because I also hear this that like a lot of times in in relationships people are having sex in the first place when they don't feel like it because they 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 think it's right. what their partner wants or or your partner is um, like they're being they're being intimate but they don't want sex but it turns into sex you know you know what i'm saying because a right. lot of people a lot of people can't pull those two things apart where it's like like a, 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 a sometimes they come in for affection for comfort and it, it, it gets a little sexual and, but that doesn't mean that they want to fuck but it, you end up fucking anyway and i don't know right. so it's you know it's a lot of that but that's just people's ability that's their inability to to communicate Right, and I think most of it comes from the fact that most of their social interaction is online. You know, yeah, I no, think it, that, people. I, I think it definitely goes back to the pornography that people are consuming, because choking no. happens a lot in porn. I I think it comes from the fact that people there people are losing the ability 
to to read the room, which is funny because oh, I see what that, you're saying. I see what you're saying. It, it's something that the saying. kids say a lot on TikTok, and most of the people saying it can't do it. You know, when it's like <laughs> when it's like the, your ability to feel. Okay, uh, let, let me let me rephrase that. You know how they say you know 90% or some high percent of communication is nonverbal. Yeah. Right? And so and that's how you get in the situation where someone can give consent but it but it's not real consent or it's not it's like it's like you should be able to tell like even with some if if somebody say yes cuz all of us have done this. We all have wives, girlfriends, right? It's like when your it's like when your wife says fine. It's like <laughs> you know you know when that really means fine and you know when it means absolutely fucking not fine, right? And so it's right. like it's like, oh, when your girl says yes, you know when it's not really yes because of all of the other things, the body language, the facial structure, the pheromones, the way they stand in, the way their hands moved when they said it, the tone, the pitch, the, you know, with all the little idiosyncrasies. And I, and I feel like, People are slowly losing that. They're losing the ability to know, to just know when, you know, like no, like because because you know, yeah. When I was a teenager, it you know that that was hard. But now I know I know when somebody's just close to me, the way they touching me, the way they talking, I I know what's up. You right. know, I, I don't. I've never had to stop and be like, so are we about to have sex now? Not as an <laughs> adult. It's like you already know. It's like you sometimes you could you could tell by how they walk in the room and look at you like, oh, we fucking. This is gonna end up like we eating dinner right now, but the result is gonna be us fucking. You know what I mean? It's it's like th- they're losing that. They don't have the ability to be or, or, or I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be a young, a young, a young person now. It it must be thoroughly confusing. I mean, I think one thing we can say is you probably shouldn't choke somebody like without knowing that that's something that they want you know because it's like that is like a violent act right to like cut off somebody's oh yeah well, it's, or it's blood absolutely batshit crazy to choke somebody without knowing that that's what they want yeah but that's, like, that's but but that's what i'm saying is like it's like because i don't think the first time i choked a girl i don't think nope she did say choke me But she, but she actually grab put grab my wrist and put my hand on her throat. But it was okay. like in the it was like in the throes of passion. You know what I mean? Well, sure, but that's that's certainly affirmative uh, uh, consent if they take physically yeah, take your hand yeah, and put well, it. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, listen, listen. I, uh, maybe uh, maybe I sound like this isn't the case, but I'm definitely not advocating for you to just choke people. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I, f- I feel like when in doubt, like don't choke. You know, right? Or, or any of that. You know, it's like. It's I like, think. You know, I think. I think what this article is getting at, with this, with this opinion piece is getting at, um, is that choking had like okay, there is a universe of sexual acts that. When somebody gives you like when when you get consent from somebody and like you're having sex with them, there are certain things that you are kind of like allowed to do because they come under the umbrella of like I've given you consent to have right. sex, like kissing right? on the titties. You can do, you can right. definitely yes. if you're already having sex, you can go right for the titties. Right. I think that's right. universally accepted. You can you can do all sorts of things with the titties. Yes. If right? you're if you're if you're if you're fucking and you're making out. 
you can kiss somebody's neck without asking for permission, I believe. Yeah. You know? Now, can you bite I don't think them? you should put your hands on them. I yeah. don't think you should bite them no, either. No, no. See, see, I'm right. To, listen, this is where I'm at. I think if you're un... I think anything that is violence, even if it's playful or sexual, that's got to be discussed. Because you know something I hate? I hate hate, um, girls digging their nails in my back. Because that's something else that that people get from movies, and they think everybody likes it. I fucking hate it. I don't like it at all. But a lot. I used of, to date a girl who would bite my fucking lip. Yeah, that's what. And that's I was what like, I'm, no, what, don't I mean. do that. Anything that involves pain or or restriction, that's to, that's got to be that's got to be agreed on, or at least talked about, or at least hinted at, or something. You have to have some kind of affirmative uh, 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 push in that direction. You shouldn't just be choking, biting, scratching people without without knowing for sure that they into that shit. Right. You know, and and, and it's, as, it's as simple as just asking them, hey, are you into this? Are you willing to try it? Right. You know, and then and then and then boom. And then and then let's do a debrief. You know, how right. what? Do, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 don't, I don't know. But I don't think the kids can do that. I don't think they can. I I, I feel so bad for them because in this era of in this era of all this communication we've kind of lost the ability to communicate you know we we have mm-hmm. all these ways and means we have all the words for things and terms for things but at the end of the day that we don't know how to feel you people don't know how to feel you they don't know how to feel the situation they don't know how to know when something's on. Unco- I don't know. I don't know. They they also have a lot of trouble being vulnerable, and you have to be okay with a little bit of vulnerability to like even express yeah, to well, somebody you know, else what you want. Well, you know why they can't be vulnerable? It's because they always on the lookout for being like recorded or receipts or publicly embarrassed. You mm-hmm. know, so they all they all have to live like politicians. It's kind of crazy, and you don't want that. No, you don't like that, that's such a crazy way to grow up as to be like to like be a teenager right now or just be one of these like young college kids. Because I live over here like on the edge of campus and, you know, a lot of these young college kids, I just feel bad for them. They walk up the street. I'm like, man, I feel bad for these kids. They just <laughs> don't. They, they, I mean, or, may, or maybe they feel bad for me because because it's because it's weird. They, they live in a world that's much freer in terms of like sexuality and ideas and who you're allowed to be and how you're allowed to express yourself, but in a, but in a lot of ways they're they're less free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, because I think the social consequences for missteps or being vulnerable are just way higher, at least they're perceived to be, and so they're kind of paralyzed. But why then? Then why? How does that jibe with uh, people? I, that would make me think that people would be less sexually aggressive, less sexually exploratory. But if well, I think, this, I, well, in the well, case I think of they being are. More, I think so. I think they I think they are. They are. They, they first of all, we know that they're having less sex, right? Didn't they? Didn't yep. they talk about that? They're having less sex, and and I think that means that when they when they finally do have sex, they're less experienced with intimacy. 
Yeah, that's probably true. You know, and so they they fumble in the bag. Like you supposed to have all this, all that uncomfortable shit supposed to be out the way. You know, well before. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell people, but but uh, it just seems like it's like this sort of article. This sort of article wasn't written about eating pussy. You know, even though it was a thing that everybody was uncomfortable with when I was a kid. You know, and now they clowning DJ Khaled. Wait, what? Explain this to me. You're, you're saying you're saying it was when you were a kid. I'm saying when when I, when I was a kid, we I think we had the we had we were armed with more tools because we were more social. Mm. We were more social as kids, so we even though there was just as much discomfort around something that was considered sexually taboo or embarrassing we mm. we were able to like be embarrassed and move on and learn and oh, learn from, you know we were just better able to deal with social negatives we were able to like learn from them and grow from them and, but now it's like you know i think i think and this is my theory i i just think that the stuff you do as kids follows you more than it did when we were coming up. You know, that mm-hmm. embarrassing picture where you where you you know where you falling over drunk on your 21st birthday is like that's on the internet until you die. Yeah. Or that video or you a meme or some shit. You know, I don't know what these kids I don't know what their fears are that they TikToks get deleted or something. You know? Yeah, I wonder what the actual fear is there because I I feel like it's a like lot of people if you don't find the clip, you off TikTok. <laughs> well, there there was that one guy who didn't know how many holes a woman had. Uh, he and got like, roasted for. That's also wild to me. This is a new bit I'm doing on stage, by the way. But they, but it's wild to me how the kids. It's wild to me how you can be bad at, um, at head sucking dick and eating pussy nowadays when there's like tutorials. Yeah, there's tutorials. There's classes. There are three D. Um, you can take a 3D tour of a pussy and see where all the spots are. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and yeah. and they're still like, I, 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 I. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I also feel like most of the time, people let you know where their erotic zones are and shit like that. But like where their tattoos are, where their piercings are. You know. Oh, that's the. Those are the quest markers on your fucking yeah, or like, if, or like <laughs> if because I knew when I was when I was a young and I knew like like because when and, and they were popular back then, but I knew like if a girl was wearing a choker, she probably liked to be choked. But you, I mean, should, you should ask first anyway. You should you should still ask, but <laughs> you're gonna probably get a yes. <laughs> she, and her answer is gonna probably be like, duh. I'm walking around being choked all. <laughs> Since I put this outfit on, I've been being choked all day. Okay, no. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that is interesting. That is, uh, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, that feels like a good stopping point. Remember, um, um, a- ask first, choke later. Yeah. Choking, biting, all that stuff. I think you just got to get explicit consent for that. You know what I mean? Unless, unless, you in some kind of some kind of kink group, like if you if you in the kink tent at Burning Man, 
or like no, like if you ha- if you have someone on a leash already, you know, and you got a safe word in place, maybe you can just try shit until they say Alabama or whatever, you know. Yeah, if you got somebody on a leash, then you then I feel like you're pretty much safe. You got a safe word, then you can do whatever you want till they say the safe word. But outside of that, but the the, the type of people they talking about, they they're not even at that level. They don't have safe words. They just they in the wonder years. They can't yeah, eat pussy. Exactly. Yeah, they choke. Here's the other thing too: learn learn how to eat pussy before you start choking people. You know what I'm saying? Because because yeah. because I guarantee they want their pussy ate. Well, yeah. that's not true either. I actually have met. Yeah. I know a couple of women that don't like it. Like they won't yeah. let you, right? But 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 I'm just saying yeah. that is way more likely to to enhance the experience than you choking somebody. You know, I like wouldn't be you, surprised if those percentages were flips of one another. You know what I mean? I bet it's like 98% of women <laughs> like their pussy eating and 2% like to be choked. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's probably more than two. Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. It's probably more than two. I also think you should have to have consent before you call me daddy or something like that. I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that shit. Don't call me daddy, poppy, father. Um, I've been out the game for a while, though, so, you know, I have. we have a... King... I don't like any of King? that. King? King. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. Any, I don't mind any, that one. No, it's weird. It's still weird. Because it feels forced. Yeah. 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 It feels like you had to stop and think about it. I'd rather you say some <laughs> nonsense that don't make any sense. That, and, and, when I, and when I repeat it to you later, you go, what? I would rather that happen. You're like, I don't remember saying any of that. I'm like, that's because I was fucking. And anyway. Anyway. <laughs> If you have any questions, comments, concerns, one advice from the advice champ, email me at BS with Brian Simpson at gmail.com. Uh, my tour dates are at BrianSimpsonComedy.com. My social media is a BS comedian. Click on the link tree if you want to buy tickets to upcoming dates. I will be in Arizona so very uh, starting January, Arizona, uh, Seattle, goddamn, um, uh, goddamn uh, Alabama, Tennessee. I'm coming to Nashville, Huntsville. Um, and I'm coming to Vermont. All those dates are on the calendar. Tickets are up and available. There's way more dates being added every single day. Don't forget to check out Eddie Pepitone and Kevin Tinkin on, what's the name of the podcast? Apocalypse Soon. Apocalypse, Apocalypse Soon. Soon. You got anything to plug? Comedyfrequency.com. Comedyfrequency.com. Thanks uh, y'all for Josh tuning Potter in. Show. Josh Potter Show. Oh, Josh Potter also Show. On Josh YouTube. Potter Show. Um, yeah. Thank y'all for tuning in. And See y'all later. I want to say one, one more thing. Um, uh, if if you follow this show, if you're subscribed to this show, make sure you click on all when you on the little bell that you get all notifications because otherwise it will not show it to you because YouTube is racist. Yes, YouTube's racist. They're they're sexist. Um, um I think that, you know they they uh, they don't want me to succeed for whatever. I think it's because I'm a black man and Rob is working with them to hold me down. Um, but so if you want to fight racism, click on subscribe, click on the bell notification, like the video, share the video. All those things help me make money. 